Good morning and welcome to another podcast on the Tree of Life with Catherine Levy. So I recently went on a pilgrimage to the south of France where I visited the holy sites of Mary Magdalene. So this podcast is all about her, about the mystery of who she is and the energy and the messages and the guidance that really she stands for. So firstly, let's ask ourselves, who is Mary Magdalene, this famous character who is mentioned in the Bible, but has rose to fame in recent years from things like the Da Vinci Code and the decoding of the Last Supper uh, picture, and also from the Nag Hammadi scrolls, the Coptic scrolls that came out of Egypt. So the first time that we have Mary Magdalene mentioned in a scroll is actually in the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. And it's mentioned in the book of Micah, which was a prophet. And here it says, And you, O Migdal Eder, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it will come, the former dominion will come, the reign of the daughter of Jerusalem. So clearly in this passage, which was written thousands and thousands of years ago before Mary Magdalene came, we clearly see a messianic figure being depicted, one that is female. Later on in the New Testament, in the Christian Bible, she's also mentioned, but she has a much smaller role than what was truly her place and role in this world. She's also been mentioned in the uh, Nakamadi scrolls, in the Book of Thomas, and she has her own scroll uh, called the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And something interesting to note in the Book of Thomas, it speaks about her being uh, the favorite disciple of Yeshua, and that he used to kiss her on the lips. So we clearly know that she had some kind of romantic involvement with Yeshua. She's also been mentioned in the Kabbalah. I found uh, lots of references to her in the Kabbalah. However, these are more secret and mystical and have not yet been made public. And then, of course, in the Essene scrolls, which again are not yet public in this world, they will be released soon, we have a full and complete picture about this woman. However, I'm not yet at liberty to speak about those, so I will speak about her more in a general term. And when these scrolls are released, you'll be able to read up on her yourself. So Mary Magdalene, who was she? Well, she was the equivalent or the equal of Yeshua. So if he was the Lord Christ, she was the Lady Christ. If he was the Son of God, she was the daughter of the Goddess. If he was the Word of God, she was the breath of the Goddess. You see, in this uh, Essene uh, scrolls and scriptures, the religion of which she followed, many people wrongly believe that Yeshua and even Mary Magdalene were Jewish. They weren't. They were Essenes. Essene comes from the Aramaic word, which means Essayim, which actually means healers. And she was part of a, a religion with a different book and a different way where they honored the tree of life. They worshipped and revered uh, a goddess. And there were also prophetesses and priestesses and everything you have in the male um, world or, or way of understanding religion, you had in the feminine as well. It was equal. So I recently went to France where I visited her tomb, where her skull is purportedly held in a beautiful tomb and church in the south of France. I also went to her cave where she purportedly lived and meditated. And I went also to the Migdal Tower and also to the uh, a place on the ocean in, in France where she 
apparently landed on a boat from Israel. So what happened? What happened to Mary Magdalene? How did she get from Israel into France? So on the, la- the night of the Last Supper, before Yeshua was uh, crucified and, and uh, ascended, she was with him and she actually got pregnant with their child. She then went over to France with Joseph of Arimathea and also Sarah, which was her adopted daughter, who was much older at that time. She was probably about 14 or 15. And she went over to France and she had her child there and then she continued to live out her life teaching and preaching and sharing the way of the Essene way, which is the way of the healers of mind and body and soul. And if you go to France, you will find references and um, depictions of her all over. She was very well known over there. And one thing that is, I guess, still a little bit of a secret, but that's so obvious once you come to know it, is that she was actually a woman with black skin. She was from Ethiopia, which is where the Garden of Eden was, however many millions or billions of years ago that was. And so in in France and also all over Europe, you have the statue depicting um, a black woman holding a baby. It's called the Black Madonna. And you have them in churches and just all over France and Europe. And a lot of later Christians uh, interpreted or said that that was the the Mother Mary with the baby Jesus. But that, that wasn't true. It was Mary Magdalene, who is the true mother, and with her child, which was the child of she had with Yeshua. And of course, it doesn't make sense that it was the mother Mary and Yeshua because, well, she was white. We know she was white. Um, so it's Mary Magdalene. So she's very well known in those parts and her energy still very much lives on in those in those places. So today, really what I want to do is now that I've given a bit of introduction and looking at some of the scrolls and who, who this woman was and placing her within the context, I want to talk about why she's so important to speak about and her her return, her coming, because, you know, in, in the Christians and even in the Muslims, they're still waiting for the return of um, Yeshua. In Islam, they call him Isa, Isa al-Masih, which means Jesus the Messiah or Yeshua the Messiah. And he's mentioned 11 times, I believe, in the new, in the Quran. And they're waiting for his second coming. But what they're missing and what most religion is missing is the presence of the feminine. Because back in the days when Miriam walked to this land, she was essentially um, rejected. She wasn't accepted. Women weren't um, really accepted in any religious uh, authority or any, um, you know, religious teachings. They, they simply weren't accepted. And so... He was also rejected, but her more so than him. So now that we're in these special times, we're in the times of the great harvest, we're in the times of the new earth, we're in the times of the, the dying away of the old earth and, and the re, being, you know, the reborn, the rebirthing, the regenesis of the new earth. And he's coming back and so is she. She's going to be by his side. Now, she's been banished since the beginning of time, the goddess or the feminine energy has essentially been banished. And the first, I guess, evidence we have of that is if you go back to the um, Jewish version of the Garden of Eden. And just remember, there are many versions. There's more than one. I'm familiar with um, three. Um, but we're just going to focus on the Jewish one because here we can actually see what went wrong. So here you have this idea of Eve eating the apple, you know, the woman eating the apple. And then this idea of woman or Eve coming from the rib of man in order that she served serve the man and then man serves God. And so from this time forward, the feminine was set, essentially subjugated 
to this lower level. Now, the truth of that is you cannot fool a woman's heart. Women naturally are intuitive and in their feeling body, whereas men are more rational and in their thinking body, the mind. And so if you're going to have, you know, a fallen world where a dark, demonic, satanic force is ruling, it's very hard for that force to work through the feminine because the feminine feels that something is wrong. Whereas men, and also women in their mind, we both have masculine and feminine energy, but it's much easier to fool the mind than it is to fool the heart. And so that's essentially what happened with the feminine. She's been banished since the beginning. But now, in the times we're living in, she's making a comeback. And in order for us to be able to really ascend and go forth, I mean, we're going. The question is how many people are coming with us? So in order for all mankind, for every soul to make this ascension, to make this jump, you're going to have to connect with the feminine energy. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what that feminine energy is, how to connect with it on a daily basis, how to awaken it within you, what its genius truly is, and and start to invite that into your life, start to listen to the, the voice of the mother within so that you can be ready and prepared for when she comes back so that we can all get on this train back to heaven together. So one other thing I just want to mention, which I think is really interesting as well, while we're talking about feminine and masculine, when I was studying yoga in Rishikesh, I remember I used to kind of debate and speak with the philosophy teacher over there. And he told us that the chakras or the energy points, we have seven energy points in, in Hebrew, it's sefirot or sefiram. In English, we say energy center or chakra, which is a Sanskrit word. They are actually placed higher in the woman. So her crown chakra at the top of her head is actually closer to God. And he said, and it is believed among the kind of Indian philosophies, and you find this in lots of religions as well, kind of secretly embedded there, the feminine itself is actually a higher um, form of energy. However, it gets its power, it gets its authority, it gets its um, ability to be that guiding force through the strength and the protection and the upholdment of the masculine energy. So unless the woman has a strong conscious man supporting her and raising her up and protecting her, it's hard for her to be able to expouse her wisdom that she is. Um, but of course, what we see in today's world, we have a lot of women who are very in touch with their masculine. Men are very in touch with their masculine too. And then there's the women who are increasingly getting more in touch with their feminine. And we find that a woman really just doesn't need a man because she's able to do that for herself, especially until the masculine energy catches up. I remember one thing Eckhart Tolle, a very famous enlightened master, once said. He said, the masculine or the men are a couple of years behind. And that has stayed true with me. And that is so evident in the world around me and the men that I encounter. It feels like everywhere I've looked, I've got these empowered, beautiful feminine goddesses rising up in their feminine, in their masculine, in unity, in harmony. And you've got the men who are just really suffering and confused and lost because the rules of the old world, which were very much about masculine energy, male energy, doing and making and making things happen, that's starting to die away. Of course, that's still there, still there and still relevant and important, but unless it's balanced with the, with the feminine energy, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for you to manage 
your affairs and navigate your way through these times. So what is the feminine energy and what is the message and guidance that the Magdalene or the Migdal Eder has for us today? Oh, that's another thing. I just forgot to mention that. So in the in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, where the Migdal Eder is uh, mentioned, I just want to translate that for you. Migdal means watchtower. Eder means flock. So the turtle for her is the watchtower of the flock, which is where we get the word Magdalene. She also lived in the city called Magdala. Magdala in Aramaic, Migdal in Hebrew. And she was actually born in Ethiopia, but she came over to um, Israel when she was quite young and she took up residence in the town of Magdala. So she's Mary Magdalene. She's the Migdal Edda. She's the watchtower of the flock. She's the great shepherdess, but she's also a resident of Magdala. So that name is kind of twofold to really, I guess, hit home that it's her that this prophecy is talking about. And although it is interpreted in a different way from the uh, Jewish scholars and even the Muslims, uh, sorry, the, um, the Christians, they also interpret things in a very different way. But we're looking for a new way because our old ways aren't working anymore. So what is the feminine energy? The feminine energy is within. It's the energy that we feel when we close our eyes, when we breathe and when we connect with our heart, when we feel and when we listen, when we trust, when we surrender, when we intuit, when we ascertain knowledge through intuition, through feeling, through knowing, as opposed to thinking and rationalizing. Now, rational thought has its place. But the problem is because we're living in a fallen world and so many people have been subjected to traumas and pain and suffering from other people who have been subjected to pain and trauma and suffering, what we have is a programmed world operating on limiting beliefs that reflect pain and trauma and suffering and the old way as opposed to the new way. And that's why the feminine, the intuition is so incredibly important because that's ultimately what's going to get us past this road bump in the world. Um, you know, this bump that we're going over as we transition and birth from the old earth into the new earth. It's the intuition. It's the inner work. It's the inner dwelling, the dwelling within the breath, working with the breath in the silence, in the absence of word, in the absence of thought, in the feeling, in connecting with our hearts, with the truth of our hearts. This is what's going to get us home. And I remember I posted on Facebook a few years ago. I thought it was so, I thought it was so intelligent. Follow your mind no one said ever because you know the age-old um, you know uh, truth or wisdom is that we follow our heart our heart is to take a lead just by a little bit just by a little bit and so the problem we see today is people just following their minds their thoughts their fears their programs their doubts and not connecting with their heart because they're hurt or they've been hurt before or they They've lost something. There's something there. And so they've shut their hearts down and they're totally connected with the mind. And I see this with men all the time. And it's really frustrating as a conscious woman who just wants a man to be in tune with his heart and his feeling for him to feel that I am safe. But it's very hard for them. So feminine energy is basically anything that doesn't have a goal. So singing is feminine energy. Dancing is feminine energy. Sitting down to breathe, to meditate, to connect, this is feminine energy. Going for a walk in the nature is feminine energy. 
these are all tools and ways that we can connect with ourselves because once we go into our feminine energy and connect within then we start to find balance we start to find harmony and we start to open our ears up to hearing the voice of the divine mother the voice of the goddess and she will lead us home the kabbalah even mentioned that she will be coming first, that it will be her that leads us initially. The whole world's waiting for Isa, and he's coming. By, sorry, I used the word Isa. That's the, the name for Yeshua over here in, um, in Egypt where I live. Um, but we need to be really open to the feminine because, let's face it, this world is in need of a mother's love. And that's the times we're living in. So I think I'm going to leave it here. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, So many divine, divine blessings and healing to all of you. God bless you and take care. Namaste.